found all through their work, and the work about them, is never defined precisely there. But a pattern of pilgrimage emerges, one that seems to fit Dante and Chaucer, these four writers, and the present age alike. A pilgrimage is a journey undertaken in the light of a story. A great event has happened. The pilgrim hears the reports and goes in search of the evidence, aspiring to be an eyewitness. The pilgrim seeks not only to confirm the experience of others firsthand, but to be changed by the experience. Pilgrims often make the journey in company, but each must be changed individually. They must see for themselves, each with his or her own eyes, and as they return to ordinary life the pilgrims must tell others what they saw, recasting the story in their own terms. In the story of these four writers, the pattern of pilgrimage is also a pattern of reading and writing. Dorothy Day could have been speaking for the group when she said the meaning of her life was to live out the imperatives found in the Gospels and in her favorite novels. All four were great readers before they were great writers. Three were Catholic converts, but it was in literature, first of all, that they found religious experience most convincingly described. As they read Dickens and Joyce, Blake and Eliot, Augustine and Kirkgaard, they recognized themselves as people with religious temperaments and quandaries. Emboldened by books, they set out to have for themselves the experiences they had read about, measuring their lives against the books that had struck them the most powerfully. With the Catholic worker, they strove to embody the gospel story literally on the streets of the Lower East Side. Merton, leaving New York and the modern world for a Trappist monastery in Kentucky, hoped to find there the life of order and purpose described in medieval philosophy. O'Connor, raised a Catholic among Protestants of the Deep South, discovered herself as a writer when she recognized that the people of her part of Georgia were kin to the outsized figures in the Bible. An orphan, a survivor of tuberculosis, a descendant of illustrious melancholics, Percy saw himself as a searcher after life's meaning, like the characters the existentialists wrote about, and he quietly slipped out of the harness of his family history to live in a small town and write fiction, testing his philosophy with his life. Already they saw themselves as representative figures whose concerns were characteristically modern, and already they were sharpening their skills as writers— trying to describe religious experience, to imagine it, to convey it to the reader as believable, exciting, profound. At first they sought to retell the stories they had read, recasting the European classics for mid-century American life. In time, as they found their own voices and means of approach, religious experience in their work would take on forms no one expected. Mystical prayer in an abandoned tool shed in the woods— televised civil disobedience outside City Hall, a survivor's ordeal in a cave in North Carolina, an elderly lady's epiphany at gunpoint by the roadside. The pilgrimage of these four writers is part of a larger story of the convergence of literature and religion in the twentieth century, the effects of which are still being felt in our own time. It is a story that runs parallel to the modern history of the United States, as James Wood has pointed out, the decline of the Bible's authority in the 19th century coincided with the rise of the modern novel, which aspired to have something like a religious authority over the reader. In part, this development led to the defiant heterodoxy of the great modernist writers. 
who conceived of literature as cult, creed, and dogma, a world unto itself, and yet the Bible, in decline in Europe, retained its authority in America, and perhaps it was only natural that the religiously charged books of early modernity would prompt certain American writers to seek out actual religious experience, and then to set about writing literary work which would have a frankly religious power. How that happened is complicated, and one way to understand it more precisely is through the notion of the anxiety of influence, which Harold Bloom applied to the English Romantic poets some years ago. If, as Bloom proposed, a writer in early maturity is beset by the anxiety of influence, and must misread a great precursor in order to attain an original style, it is no surprise that some modern American writers felt the anxiety of influence with a religious intensity, that they brought books to bear on every aspect of their experience, misreading their precursors with their lives. The surprise is that it happened to four American Catholic writers, and happened all at once, and with such intensity that American Catholicism, through their work, came to seem a creative misreading of Catholic Europe. For, on the face of it, their emergence was unlikely, and their careers converged with startling abruptness, so much so that the resemblances among them were overlooked at the time. When reviewing George Orwell's homage to Catalonia in 1952, Lionel Trilling complained that the American literary scene lacked representative figures, who live their visions as well as write them, who are what they write. He could not have been further off the mark. Whole groups of representative figures were then emerging. The Jewish-American novelists, the beat poets, the confessional poets, led by Robert Lowell, and these four writers, whom a friend suggestively dubbed the School of the Holy Ghost. The publication in 1948 of Thomas Merton's autobiography, The Seven-Story Mountain, had given American Catholics a first-class writer, and spurred Dorothy Day, who had been in the public eye since the 30s, to write her own autobiography. Day's The Long Loneliness was published in 1952. So was Wise Blood, the first novel by Flannery O'Connor, then 27 years old. Shortly afterward, Walker Percy, struggling with the novel, set it aside and began to write the philosophical essays that led him, indirectly, to The Moviegoer, a fresh and vital philosophical novel. They came to know one another only gradually, on the Georgia dairy farm called Andalusia, at the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, in the pleasant non-place of Covington, Louisiana, or at the Catholic worker houses of hospitality across the country, they were set apart from literary society, and they sought in their work to make what Faulkner called oratory out of solitude. At the same time, they thought of writing as an act of communication, an urgent piece of news sent from writer to reader, like a message in a bottle. No matter what the writer may say, the work is always written to someone, for someone, against someone, Percy explained, and as the four of them gained a wide public for their work, they took great satisfaction in the knowledge that, among their readers, they had one another, who, as Percy put it, had a predicament shared in common. By 1969, O'Connor and Merton were dead and Day and Percy were living in the epilogue of the story. 
Their influence upon subsequent generations, however, has spread far and wide. O'Connor was the first post-war writer published in the Library of America series. There are now enough books about Merton to fill the Abbey of Gethsemane Scriptorium. Day is being considered for canonization as a saint in Rome. With The Moviegoer, Percy has begotten a whole strain of keen-eyed, present-tense, disaffected contemporary fiction. It is in their lives and their work together that their influence is found, and that this telling of their story is meant to explore. Today, as when they were alive, they are representative figures, whose struggles with belief and unbelief are vivid and recognizable. At the same time, as they venture forth together, their story suggests a series of different ways of pilgrimage, with the episodes highlighting patterns that the yearning for religious experience can take, in their time and in ours. Their work, once the pride of a socially aspirant Catholic populace, is now a point of entry for readers of all kinds, curious, perplexed, indifferent, or altogether hostile to religious experience. Set as it is on the border between life and art, between faith and doubt, it describes that experience with rare clarity and power. What is more, and this perhaps is what makes it persuasive, it dramatizes that experience in such a way that the reader enters into it personally through a kind of radical identification with the protagonist. At its best, it is writing that one reads with one's whole life, testing the work against one's own life, and vice versa. It is writing that invites the reader on a pilgrimage. Because it has to do with questions of belief, questions of how to live, it makes the pattern of pilgrimage explicit. But the way of the pilgrim, so to speak, is a common way of reading and writing. It is not the only way, of course, or...